Welcome, everybody, to Dingers and Discourse, a Mario Baseball podcast. It's a bit of a different week here at the pod. We're giving some people a week off, giving some people a chance to rest up. But we are still out here with a couple of super special guests. So this week on the pod, um, I will be hosting along with one of our regular hosts, the butter dog himself, Krazy, along with two super special guests. We have Matt Gree, the muted assassin, and Vickless Falcon. Um, Matt Gree, if you want to introduce yourself first to the Mario baseball community, if they don't already know who you are. Yeah, so hello, everyone. Uh, like you said, I'm Matt Gree, the muted assassin. I joined uh, Mario baseball community back in May. And so I'm one of the older people in this podcast uh, and uh, in the MSSB scene uh, age-wise. And then also, um, I'm probably one of the original Netplay grinders. So I've put up over 550 Netplay games, and um, I, I've also expanded into content and some uh, a lot of stuff to do with the real web and stats. So I've got a lot of uh, hands all over the place in the MSSB community. Yeah, that's May of 2021, just so you people aren't confused. He's like, I'm super old, but I only came in May. May of 2021, he is an OG. And yeah, if you check out Macri on YouTube, posts a lot of his ranked games, and it's super nice. Um, it's probably the biggest critical mass of Mario Baseball you can watch, and he plays a variety of people from... He'll post videos with people that are just joining and just starting, so you can look at those, and he posts video against some of the top people. He just posted a video of him playing ranked against Nude Cactus recently, so go out and check his channel for sure. And then we're joined by Vickless Falcon, the proprietor of the Falcon Pop. Vickless, if you want to introduce yourself. Yeah, Clutch, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I joined the Discord back in, I believe it was last July or August, so coming up on a year now. Um, yeah, I didn't get into net play until October, November, um, and that's kind of the time I, around where I found uh, Falcon Pop, made a video on that. Um, that definitely blew up, uh, which was really cool to see. Um, since then, you know, played Stars Off, Stars On, Classic, uh, UU kind of spread all around, uh, which I don't know, probably hurts me competitively in each one, but I enjoy playing all of them. And then uh, also a moderator in the Discord. So uh, just kind of an all, all around advocate, uh, you know, for all things going on in the community. Yeah, I know when I first joined, Vickless was super helpful in getting me in. He is also the TO for Rookie Rumble, so a lot of newer net players seem to find their way to Vickless pretty quickly. Um, he's a super nice person in the Discord, great person to start talking about Mario Baseball with, always helpful. Um, so yeah, super excited to have both of you on the pod this week. Um, and so we are going to go ahead and get into our weekly roundup. Kicking it off, we are going to go back to the Dinger City Members Tournament. It was the first ever Members Tournament. This is a new thing that Dinger City is putting together. It is open to anyone who is a member of the channel. It is three bucks a month. Um, so if you like Dinger City's content already and you want a net play tournament, they're going to do it bi-monthly they were talking about. Go in, give three bucks a month, and it's a $3 entry towards this tournament. Look at it that way, and it helps our boys over at Dinger City. Um, so the first one was 13 participants. Um, the possibly the biggest story of the tournament was Crit Nick held Canada's internet hostage. Um, so Hell's Hero had to drop from that tournament. He was expected to be the top seed, and he was unable to join due to that nationwide internet outage. Um, so it left a clear top three of myself, Crit Nick, and Maddie Ice in that tournament. Um, Crit Nick and myself met in the semifinals. We were both called the biggest Malders in Mario Baseball by Joe Baseball. Um, and proceeded to have an 18 to 12 slugfest filled with many moments that could have 
led to some malding. Um, but I at least kept my cool. I don't know about Crit Nick. I mean, he called me some nobody on the stream after. But anyways, nah, all in good jest. Love you, Nick. Um, so anyways, 18-12 to get through there. Um, Matty Ice coasted to finals. 15-5 in his opening game. Beat uh, the Wonder Bear himself, Tyler, 12-0. Um, and then we go to the finals. And it was a best of three. Matty Ice takes it. 4-3, 3-2 against me, winning both games on a bunt RBI. The first one was a walk-off bunt RBI. The second one was in like the seventh or eighth. Super close games. Um, I know, Matt, you had a chance to watch some of those games. What are some of your thoughts as you were... I know you weren't closely watching them, but as you watched those games. Yeah, so um, Matty Ice just played his normal, uh, typical game that you've seen. I mean, he hasn't been as active on net play, so... It was good for some newer people to be able to watch him some more. I know that he got some spotlight in the LAN tournament they had at the meetup, but then just being able to participate in this tournament as well, I feel like it's good for people to see how Matty plays because it's it's pretty unique. He does the super controlling style. He will bunt all the time, so it's very fitting to have won both games on bunts. And uh, not a lot of people do the play the way he plays. He does a little bit of base running and then just a lot of control and really gets in your mind, uh, makes you work for every single run that you have to get, and then uh, kind of just controls the game in a way that uh, isn't really seen as much on net play. So I feel like having that exposure for people to see a different way to play the game was really cool. Mm -hmm. I think the the way that Maddie plays, he always liked, likes to call it small ball. I feel like we've been seeing that kind of fall out of the meta recently. So it's good. it's kind of fun to see him you know, use his old style that he's always been using to win a fairly sized tournament. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, uh, you know, what's the saying? Death by a thousand paper cuts. Like I remember playing Maddie once a uh, few net played superstar tournaments ago where I think I only lost like eight to four, but it felt like I was down 10 runs just because he'll, you know, get, get a, get a few runs at the beginning of the game, only be up like three zero or something. But just the way he scores runs is so methodical that, uh, it's just like super demoralizing and you feel like you're not even in the game, even though the score is probably, you know, closer than what it should be. And uh, one other thing, he always throws a little wrinkle in or two. I know one game he picked Paratroop, uh, Paragoomba, sorry. And uh, I, there was another game he made an interesting pick. Uh, I don't know if Clutch, you want to expand on that. Yeah, honestly, I don't even remember it anymore. What did he pick? In, oh, he picked Ron in game two because it was uh, Dennis's birthday earlier that week. And so he did it in homage to his friend at Dinger City. Um, I mean, I know they're close. He literally stayed at his house for the meetup. Um, so some people might see that as disrespect. I I don't think either of them had a huge impact on the game. They were slightly worse bats, but defensively it didn't really come up. And if you hit with them, which he did get some hits with both of them, I then it's not much different than ninth picking some other people for those spots. So um, it was super interesting. Um, you can tell when he's locked lock, which was the meetup, and you could tell when he's just kind of coasting, which I think was the members tournament until finals. I think he had to turn it up a little bit. Um, so I guess I'll take pride in that. I don't even know if he'll say that, though. Um, but I guess... The last thing I'll say is that when I first came into the Discord, Maddie was towards the tail end of his grind because it was right before spring training kicked up. Um, and I will say is I do not relate to Krazy's style of play or Cactus's style of play or Hell's style of play, but I relate having a Maddie Ice. If I can play like Maddie Ice, I am super happy. I am super big on small ball. I love controlling the game. Um, and it 
it's a game that I like playing a lot more. I felt like when I got up by a run or two, it felt impactful versus like when I play some of the other top players, I don't feel comfortable or feel like I really have an advantage until I'm up like five because any inning they can just go off for seven. Um, and Maddie is more than capable of that. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like, like you said, that strategy of death by a thousand cuts, uh, he really, like I said, tries to keep the game in check, tries to keep it down tries to make you feel like you're beating yourself, not that you're losing. Um, it's a really special style of play and it's something that I definitely try and take from personally. So um, I just want to give him a shout out for being someone to emulate uh, at the top level of play. Moving on from the members tournament, I want to take us over to Swiss Blitz. This was something happening just last night at the time of recording. Um, it was hosted by Big Nick, his first foray into tournament hosting. So congrats to him. Um, the Swiss Bliss did use one two one one draft, and they used Swiss style. So for those at home that do not know what Swiss style tournament is, you are randomly matched up in round one against an opponent. And then after that, you are matched up with people of a similar or same record. So if you win match one, you will play someone that won match one. And if you lose, you'll sit out and you'll go and play people that lost round one. And that's the idea. So basically, if you keep winning, you keep playing people that are winning. If you lose, you play people at a similar record of yourself. The idea is you're playing similarly matched up opponents throughout the whole tournament. It's supposed to be fun, even if you are not competing to move on to the top spot um so their first four way with swiss and mario baseball as far as i know about 12 participants i know there was a lot of late minute drops um which was unfortunate um chris toasty takes the swiss part of the tournament goes five and oh beat sam n beat maury who i understand chris was down 11-0 in that game and came roaring back to win 14 to 12 Poke Bunny, Boomerang Bro, and Face Man in the final round to secure that 5-0 Swiss play. Um, also in the top 25%, moving to top cut, Boomerang Bro, and Face Man. So as far as I know, those three will go on to a single elimination bracket next July 19th, as in five days from recording. Um, so I guess for the rest of my fellow pod hosts, anyone catch some of the games? Anything that stood out from either... One two one one draft or anything you noticed with the Swiss style play? Yeah, I um, think. Sorry, right, go, go ahead. Yeah, I think with you know the Swiss style, uh, you know something that's never been tried before um, with Mario Baseball. Um, you know, it seems like it went fairly smooth. I know uh, Faceman had a comment after it was over saying that you know it was just like three hours of just straight baseball, which is really really cool to see. Um, yeah, and then just like seeing some of the scores, um, you know. Like Boomerang Bro beat Super 63 11 to 10 in the first round. So, like, that could have shook up, you know, how the rest of the format went. You know, you mentioned, you know, Chris Toasty being Mori 14 to 12. The game after Boomerang Bro's 11 10 game uh, had a 14 13 game uh, with Face Man. Um, so, you know, the first two games scoring over 10 runs and having a one run game. And then round three, Boomerang Bro beat Walrus 15 to 10. Um, so, like, three games in a row, just insane baseball going on. So, um, yeah, just kind of looking through the scores, like a lot of them were pretty close games, which is good to see. And I suppose that's, you know, results of the format where um, you, you kind of get more adjusted to opponents at your level, probably since you're playing opponents that won and, and the people that lost are playing opponents that lost. So 
Um, I'm all for different varieties of tournaments, you know, whether it's like this where you're playing six games as fast as you can or, you know, we have the NBA Cup going on. So, you know, that's going to be like one game a week, which, you know, is probably more of like my style or maybe people who like just aren't available as much that um, you'll still get an opportunity to play in a tournament. So overall, I think, you know, it was a pretty successful event. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely a big success for the uh, Swiss format, like you were saying. I think a lot of the participants acknowledged that it was very good to just go from one game to the next game to the next game. It made it sound like it was extremely seamless and there was like almost no downtime in between games, which if that's the truth and we want that in the future, I think that's like big news for potential like tournament formats. I think the only yeah, thing uh, that I know is that TCG uh, trading card games, very popular to use Swiss format. The more participants you add, the more delays there are because you can't move from one round to the next till every match is completed. Um, so with 12 participants, only six games at a time, there's not really going to be many holdups, you know, less chances for games to go into extras, less chances for crashes. Um, I think it's a super great one day format. And I think for the most part, it does go super smooth. But I will say that, you know, if anyone, if this gets up to a thing that, you know, 40 people go into it for a day, um, it might start getting a little bit longer. Um, but I think it's still, as long as it's run really smoothly, um, it's still a super great format. Yeah. So for me, it was the first time I'd ever heard of a Swiss tournament. I'd like look up what are they doing and stuff like that. So it seems like a really cool format. I wish I could have participated, but um just some great baseball. You could see like that matchups uh, are were pretty even and a lot of scoring. So that's kind of what this, uh, at least on the even matchup, that's what the Swiss format's intended for. So it's really cool to see how it worked out like that. All right. So hopefully looking for some more Swiss style tournaments in the future, but we will now move on to stars on showdown seven. 32 participants. We've talked about it a couple times on the pod already. They finally played top three. It was Brew. It was Remke. It was Boomerang Bro. And the way it finally shook out, Remke beat Boomerang Bro in winner's finals, dropping one game. He only won it 2-1. However, that was the only game he dropped all tournament. Boomerang Bro takes down Brew in loser's finals. Boomerang Bro comes back up, unable to scratch out a game against Remke in the rematch in grand finals. Remke, your two-time Stars on Showdown champ, Spring Series champ. He just owns all the championships right now, and he's going to be gunning for an MPSS next when 11 goes live. Um, so I guess, again, the big storylines are uh, Brew is washed, but apparently being washed means you finish top three now, um, which he made a comment about that. He's like, if washed means I'm top three, then I'm glad that I was so highly thought of that that is washed now. Um, Boomerang bro uh coming in second for the third time i don't know when he's gonna crack uh that wall that he just keeps running into he just can't get over the hump um and yeah remke continuing to uh prove his meteoric rise to the top in both stars on and stars off so um vickless what did you think i know you're one of our bigger stars on players here on the pod tonight so if you want to give your general thoughts about stars on showdown seven. Yeah, it was really good to see, uh, you know, 32 people in it. Um, you know, one of the largest stars on tournaments we've had. Um, I know this is the first tournament that 
both Integrosity players entered and one of them did not come out on top. And also Remke knocked out both of them. Uh, back-to-back beat Peach Beach uh, in the winner's quarters and then beat Bruin winner's semis. So, you know, it's definitely the first time that that's, uh, you know, happened in a Stars on tournament. Um, so interesting to kind of see, you know, the dynamic shifting, um, especially just Remke kind of on another level right now compared to everyone else, even on the on the ELO sheet. Um, you know, I think a clear 100 points ahead, you know, which is pretty impressive on the Stars on ELO sheet just due to the, uh, you know, chaotic nature of stars on ELO where you can play a series and, you know, beat, beat someone in the series two to one, but maybe you, you're a net, lo- you know, you know, net loser in ELO for that matchup. So, um, but otherwise, you know, there were some good runs, um, you know, stuff flatbread made a huge run, got top six, uh, really improving as a stars on player for sure. Um, Walrus getting a top six as well. Uh, it was good to see, you know, him still uh, staying around in stars on and, and, you know, playing his style and playing really well. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, we had Nooch 17 beating Chris Toasty. That was probably the biggest upset of the tournament. Uh, and then Walrus beating Toasty to, you know, keep Toasty out of top eight. So I'm sure we'll see the Toasty Revenge Tour, um, you know, come out either in Wario Palace Stadium Series or the next Stars on Showdown. But, um, you know, otherwise, it's great to see all the all the new people playing stars on and hope to you know, keep that going. Madden Krazy, do you think there will be a new wave of people that can main in both stars off and stars on and be top of the pack in both? Or is this something exclusive to Remke? I, I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily about the future. What I do know, though, is that it's an extremely difficult thing. I feel like we were talking about how Toasty was doing really well in the Swiss Blitz earlier, but he didn't do as well in Stars On. So I think that might have something to do with it. Kind of just like the complete like antithesis of the two. It makes it hard to balance both. So I think it is probably a Remke exclusive, yeah. Yeah, definitely for right now. I mean, I know in the past I used to play some Stars On. I was probably in Stars On Showdown 3 or 4. Uh, a couple of those tournaments, and one of those tournaments is going on around the time of NPSS, and I just had such a hard time uh, getting out of stars off mode and trying to get uh, get a, around on those pitches faster. And so uh, for that reason, I just stopped playing stars on. I really like the game mode, uh, and I like some of the stuff that I've seen in the meta development of it, but for me, it's just hard to be able to commit to both uh, at the same time. And Remke's just done a great job of being able to do that. Uh, hopefully some more people are able to do that. I feel like it's really cool to have, see people be able to do it. It's kind of like switch hitting in baseball or some other interesting uh, feats that people can do. So, uh, yeah, just being able to nail the timing on the swings uh, on both uh, both modes is pretty hard to do. Yeah, I think I when I first came to the server, the first tournament I, after Rookie Rumble, I think I did stars on Showdown. I forget if it would have been four or five at that point. Um, but I remember it helped me a lot in stars off because the pitches looked like change-ups then because of the difference in speeds. And I actually really appreciated you know that. It really slowed the game down for me when I was first learning it. Um, but now whenever I go back and forth, it's it's pointless because if you try and have a stars off mentality and stars on, you are going to get blown by. You're not going to be able to hit at all. It's going to be super frustrating. And if you have a stars on mentality and stars off, I think you are way ahead. You are guessing, not reading, which I think there's a lot more 
strategic guessing and strategic looking for specific pitches in Stars On compared to Stars Off. I think Stars Off, you can do a lot more read and react because of the slower pitching. Um, and so it's a really tough feat. And so, like I said, I think it's impressive what Remke is doing right now. And I think more people can do it in the future. And I hope some people try it. And I know, like I said, Krazy is sometimes weighted into Stars On. Like I said, Vickless, I know you play both. I know you're kind of in that second tier third tier for both depending on who you talk to um so um but seeing remke win tournaments in both is super impressive so we'll see if it continues we'll see if anyone else can do it um but i know stars on showdown 8 is going to get started soon and they'll be rolling again just like we normally have with stars on showdown um and our final tournament to round up this week stadium series malice in the palace 22 participants just started there's still a ways to go but in the initial round of games um we have the tournaments to on vickless has there been anything that people have been talking about that they've noticed with playing all their games at wario palace to start yeah i think um i haven't seen too many of the games so far but i know coming in some of the things i've personally have been looking at are um you know wario stadium is or wario palace is known as a place where uh, you can hit home runs. It's you know one of the shortest ballparks in the game. Uh, you know, right around with DK Jungle. Um, so I guess kind of what I've been looking for is seeing if people are just building you know these huge power lineups going for home runs, or if there's uh, a little strategy you know trying to you know potentially slap into the tornadoes or over to the chain chomps. Um, I know just in one of my recent classic games I played uh walrus was my opponent and he had a very i mean i know this is stars off but he had a very uh singles heavy you know slapping team and i have a power team and like wario palace is my home stadium and he just kept trying to slap into the tornadoes all game and it worked really well for him um so i'm i'm interested to see if anyone tries to apply that to stars on um you know then a couple other points are when you do go for those tornadoes um do you take a risk especially if you're like an underdog and just continue to send your runners um you know even though if the ball gets caught it'd be for sure you'd get you know a double or triple play um you know like like, say you have the bases loaded and one out are you willing to you know risk it all and try to run everybody in and hope that tornado lands um and then the other thing kind of to bounce off the peach gardens tournament is where is yoshi playing um you know at peach garden you know yoshi was getting played a lot at second base just because you could put someone else uh, as clamor in the outfield but here at Wario Palace, center field is really deep, and a lot of people are going for home runs compared to line drives at Peach Garden. So is it better to put Yoshi in center field or compared to second base, or do you put Yoshi like on a corner uh, outfield and try to catch some of these tornado balls? Um, so it'll be really interesting to see uh, you know, where Yoshi plays just because Yoshi's probably going to fall in the draft a little bit um, just due to people picking more power hitters, uh, you know, trying to hit those left field and right field short porches. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. And, and, you know, seeing some of these scores roll in so far, uh, definitely more high scoring than the peach garden tournament was. Uh, we've already had uh stuff flatbread got upset by wheels in the first round, uh, two zero sweep there. And then in the second round, we saw stuff flatbread beat or, uh, beat super 63, 20 to 10, uh, which is crazy high scoring. Um, I believe Super 63 was winning 9-5 to five in that game, and, and Flatbird came roaring back. Um, and that was in loser's bracket game. So I think we're going to see some really high scoring games. Um, you know, as far as predictions, I mean, obviously, like, Remke and Brewer 
uh, are on my side of the bracket. You know, I think they're going to be right there at the end. Um, I I think a sleeper in this tournament. It's crazy to say they're a sleeper, but you know, I think Hell's Hero uh, could make a deep run in this tournament just due to uh, I don't know. He likes he likes Wario. It's what Wario Palace. Uh, you know, doesn't play Stars on as much, but um, you know, definitely knows what he's doing. And it's a if it's an offensive ballpark, and you know, he's big on offense, so. That's kind of who I've got my eye on for this tournament. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most from this tournament, I'm not playing in it, but I'll probably be watching some of the games if I can. Um, it's with the Tornadoes at Wario Palace. Because excluding the Chain Chomps, there are really no like crazy things about Wario Palace other than the Tornadoes. And I think I've heard, I want to say Maddie Ice talk about it before, but I'm pretty sure you can figure out where the ball's or like a general area of where the ball is going to go based on like how fast it's going and where it hits the tornado. So I'm interesting to see like if people can figure out the outplay potential from like a fielder's perspective there. Cause if you can figure out where it's going to go every time, it'll be a lot easier to field and, you know, prevent those extra base hits that might happen. Yeah, like everyone else said, I'm really interested to see how players take advantage of the tornadoes. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I feel like the tornadoes are kind of like body check, you know? Uh, it's something that is a little bit hard to activate, but if you get it in the right situations, you end up with like a 50-50 scenario where maybe something amazing happens, the ball goes in the wrong direction, and you get like a triple, but at the same time, it could go terribly wrong, go right to a fielder, and you get double played, so... Uh, a lot of high-risk, high-reward uh, stuff, and it'll be interesting to see if players are trying to aim their balls towards the tornado. Uh, I'm not sure whether in stars on slapping or charging would be the best way to get the ball into the tornado, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, the players have any thoughts on that or uh, if it changes their strategy at the plate at all. Yeah, super interested to see what meta developments come from this stadium series. It's the whole idea of doing it, because um, stars on, you go from stadium to stadium, and you don't Notice things when you play three straight games and specifically a whole tournament at one stadium, you start to pick up on things and notice things and it just advances the mode. Um, so really great series there. Can't wait to see the outcomes from there. But that'll do it for this week's roundup. And so we will head into our first topic of the pod. Um, we're going to start with viewer comments. Um, the one we picked out this week was from PK Kirby. Um, and it'll probably take us a couple weeks to get through because I want all our hosts have the opportunity to answer this, but we'll start with this group of four this week. He said, a dumb question I have, which I think is not a dumb question. This is super creative and I'm happy to answer it. Um, for the hosts of the next pod is, if you were in Mario Baseball, which of the four categories would you place yourself in? So I'm assuming he meant balance, technique, speed, power. And what would your special ability be? So if anyone wants to tackle that one first. Yeah, I can go. Um, I would say between the four, I think technique is my favorite. And I think if I was in the game, like technique would suit me. I feel like growing up in sports, like I wasn't the fastest or the strongest, but like I played, felt like I played my role well, tried to, you know, do the role the best as I could um, and be like super technical. So, um, and I, I wouldn't be bobbling the ball hardly at all as a technique <laughs> character compared to power and speed. Um, so that's why I would pick technique. And then if I had had one of the one of the abilities, I think I'd go with sliding catch. I think sliding catch is super underrated, and I think a lot of times uh, we don't activate it soon enough. And 
I think like activating slide and catch really soon um, can help you get to a lot more balls. And I just think it's a really cool ability, um, you know, that, uh, you know, a few characters have that, um, you know, it makes a difference in whether they get picked or not. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go as technique and then slide and catch. Um, I was thinking about it for a bit, and uh, I actually have two answers. Well, one, it's not really answering the question, but one thing I would like to see is uh, it doesn't really fit me, but I think it would be really cool if in Mario Baseball there was a speed character who had laser, someone who could play the outfield and then have laser home. So that's something I thought of. But then uh, for me personally, I think I'd probably be a balanced character. I'm in a lot of different areas in the community. I'm content creating. Uh, making stats, uh, grinding that play. So I feel like I just have a lot of uh, balance all over the place. And then I'd probably end up going uh, with laser. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I feel like it's a really great ability. Uh, I'm not sure how it fits me personally, but um, I just thought that one would be the closest uh, ability. Another one I thought of was ball dash, maybe, you know, just just a funny ability no one doesn't get any use really but uh just funny to have so either one of those two i think your idea of speed character with laser would be super interesting it sounds like a ronald acuna or a mike trout maybe just super great arms in the outfield they have the range to cover so it's not a crazy combination it is in real baseball and i know mario baseball is not real baseball don't hate me in the comments don't be like well they're playing with shells and trees and but you got to still take from something and there is some source material to work from. So I think that's a super interesting comp, uh, combination, Matt. And maybe if we ever do a balanced patch, that should be something that's added. Get one of the speed characters, some laser. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, if, if I had to choose, I'd probably choose speed. Cause I feel like whenever I play sports, I'm kind of like the scrappy kid that runs around and goes and grabs the ball. So I think if I was like out in the outfield fielding, I would be, diving for balls, maybe bobbling more often. Um, and I think my special ability would probably be super jump. Cause I feel pretty coordinated about like jumping up and grabbing the ball. And I think one of my favorite things in this game is to like do a crazy super jump out in the outfield. I think that would be dope to do if I was a Mario baseball character. And if I were to pick mine, I would start with I'd be a balanced character. I think my bat is extremely similar to Luigi's. Go the other way. Super great reach. Um, not weak at the plate, but we're not sending the ball out either. Um, so um, I feel that fits my offensive game really similarly. So that's why I want balance there. Um, and then in the field, I think my super ability would be sliding catch. Um, I play... I understand this is not super common. 16-inch slow-pitch softball. Um, it's super common in Chicago slash Illinois. I played it at college. We were champions of Co-Rec, and I would play um, either middle infield, so sliding catch plays really nicely there. Um, we see Mario does good at second base with a good enough arm. Um, or the corners are really good. I would play some outfield, and I would make some ridiculous grabs coming in for the ball, making a last-second dive, timing it up, and saving some outs. Um, so... Um, I think that would be what I would pick for my special ability and uh, category of character. Um, so like I said, I PK, thanks for the question. Uh, I have one more thing to add. Yeah, go for it, Matt. So I play Ultimate Frisbee in college, um, So, but 
Unfortunately, I do not have the ability to super jump or dive out for any Frisbee, so for those reasons, I did not choose myself to be a super jump or sliding catch player. Imagine Ultimate Frisbee players with... Yeah, with either. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm just mad. I played a lot of Ultimate in high school, so yeah, that, that'd be nuts. Mario Ultimate Frisbee 1. Um, sorry, Nintendo, don't take any ideas. You ruin every Mario sports game right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> um all right well anyways pk thanks for the comment like i said we'll probably wrap back around to that one next week again when we bring back some other hosts um i think that'll be a a fun intro question from now on so we'll have to keep using that one um all right next topic for this week end of season two it was finally announced it's been talked about for weeks it's been talked about for a month at this point because we talked about beginning of july and uh Coax and the Rio dev team had some things to hash out with 0.1.9. It is ready to go. It is releasing on Saturday. It's going to come with a ELO board reset. And so a couple of things to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about is now that we are pretty much at the end of the ELO leaderboard, there will be no real big changes before the end of the season um, on Saturday. Um, what were the biggest surprises who rose up the leaderboard either you know a new player that really impressed um or a returning player that really improved themselves in season two of the leaderboard um who took a hit on the board that you did not expect um and maybe some picks to click in the season you know summer 22 leaderboard now that elo is reset they don't have some maybe early bad play to weigh them down um, who do we think we'll see higher up on the board in the next season? I'll go ahead and start things off. Um, so for me personally, I ended up pretty much the same spot I did uh, last season. And um, it's a little disappointing, but also at the same time, I realized that I've gotten way better at baseball. It's just everyone else has been getting better. And so um, for me to end up at the same spot, I feel like that just says my growth is on pace with a lot of other people and some people who weren't grinding at the um, who were in the top of uh, season one leaderboard have also uh, just not been where they are at their same placement. So I think it really shows that overall, everyone is getting better at MSSB. And if you're not playing as many games, uh, you're going to fall off. Uh, you're not going to be able to get to the same ranking uh, you were last uh, season. So being able to play games and play have consistency in the uh, season to season is going to be important to stay at the top of the leaderboard. Matt, I know yeah. you're like top 10 right now, I believe. Um, but when thinking about that, you know, we've added Remke is number one right now, which I'm sure someone will mention at some point. Um, I'm, I've been in top 10. I'm not there right now, but I think it's interesting that, you know, you're in the same spot, but I think there's more c people competing for that spot. And so um, it's, I think that's interesting that, you probably numerically have not changed much, but I think you're spot on that. You probably gotten a lot better at Mario baseball and it's just, there's more people gunning for those top sports on the leaderboard. And so it kind of makes it harder to be up there. And so even though you're in the same spot, it's still a huge achievement. Yeah. I don't want to call out people specifically who haven't played as much, but there definitely are people who were in a tier or a top of B tier last, uh, last, uh, end of season and who haven't played as much and then you see them sinking down to middle of b tier lower a tier players Vicklis, i know you were about to chime uh, in yeah um so i'd say as far as like uh 
you know, things I saw that impressed me. Uh, there was a couple things. I would say uh, one is seeing uh, Poke Bunny at number six right now. Uh, you know, joined kind of near the tail, tail end of uh, season one in terms of like starting to play. Um, and then, you know, season two started and Poke Bunny jumped in and played a ton of games and was winning a lot of games. Um, you know, they may not have been uh, against you know, the top players right away, but, you know, eventually uh, Poke Bunny got to play some of those players. You know, we saw some results like beating Hell's Hero 11 to 0, notably, you know, and, and then some other games. So, um, an impressive run from Poke Bunny to, you know, be able to stay up uh, at number six. And then, um, the other one I kind of had my eye on was uh, Cesarito at 15. Uh, you know, just remember he kind of came in one night randomly and just like started playing and we kept throwing opponents at him. It was almost like a, you know, like throwing, meeting different bosses in a video game and he just kept running people down. I think finally we we had to put Krazzy on him and I think Krazzy finally beat him that night. But, you know, the damage had been done. He'd already like crawled into A tier. Um, I don't think he's been around as much, you know, since that run. And then I think he played in a NPSS too, but uh, that was super fun to see. I guess the last thing I'll say is um, this is the first, maybe not the first season they've, that they've been on the leaderboard, but, uh, you know, Dinger City definitely showed that, uh, you know, they can compete in net play. Uh, you know, we got JK in, in S tier. We've got Mr. Joe uh, sitting at number nine. And then we also have uh, Crit Nick at the, at the edge of A tier as well. So, I know there was a lot of talk, uh, you know, beginning of the season that Dinger City, you know, maybe couldn't hang with the top net players. And I think, uh, you know, they've definitely shown that they can. I think Tyler's in B tier too. So that's four of the main six. And I don't think, uh, I mean, Dennis doesn't play at all. And I have not seen uh, City Hall Andrew around either. Um, so for the people that have actually come into net play, like I said, I know Tyler is done an mpss now and is in not play classic league um critnik will sometimes show up and usually will get ready for mpss obviously joe baseball mr joe is around a lot and uh jason is similar with will warm up for mpss but uh he clearly has shown that he can beat the top dogs and he makes crazy losers runs and that's what has him in us tier right now so um as much as we make fun of it and as much as uh I don't think they have the tournament results maybe yet to prove it, although they have some really impressive top finishes um, to their names. Um, they definitely show that they are not scrubs and they are playing a high level of land baseball and then can translate it to net play as well. Yeah, if I could just add one other thing that I have noticed recently is uh, there was only, you know, we were talking about transitioning stars off and stars on, like there was only five players that finished in A tier in both. So I'm interested to see, you know, moving forward, you know, does that number increase? Does that number decrease? Um, just seeing like if if people decide to you know main in one or if people are going to try and uh, continue to play both. I know like I've mentioned like I I try to play both, but I've I've definitely tried to uh, you know pick my spots in terms of when I'm playing. Like I've called it like having stars on jet lag, like going from stars on to stars off. Um, just I think if you pick your spots and you know like play stars off for a week and then. Um, you know, there's like a stars on tournament and then you can focus on stars on for that week. I think, I think it's possible, um, to do a little better in both. Um, it just kind of takes, you know, a little bit of extra strategy. Krazy, what were your takeaways from this ranked season? Um, I think just some of my main takeaways, and this isn't necessarily reflective of like the final board, 
but just kind of the uh, the separation that we saw at different times of the leaderboard, like me and Remke and Cactus, I think all have had different stints where we've been like a hundred elo above like the next closest people. And I thought it was very fascinating to see kind of, I don't know if I want to say separation skill, but just separation in like just raw elo. And I'm curious to see if we're going to see any of that in the next leaderboard, any like little reigns of dominance, like big win streaks that put someone over the top or if we're going to see even closer competition now. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting with, you know, it's proposed that we'll probably have more like three month seasons. I mean, this was five. I don't know what season one was, but it sounded like for the most part, that one went on for a while as well. We haven't had like a seasonal rotation uh, planned in Mario Baseball before. And so I think that might be one of the downsides of it is, yeah, I think that was a really interesting time where all three of you made runs and just because it took over five months, there was a story of the rank season that it it was a three chapter book where, like I said, Cactus kind of had his reign at the top, um, had his uh, chance to repeat in MPSS. And then obviously, Krazy, you got back to the top um, and then Remke came in and stormed the net play scene. And now he is the undisputed champion thanks to charge the mound and you two park in the bus after that. So um it'll be super interesting to see if we ever have a race like that again where there's multiple people at the top or if it's just someone gets hot at the beginning of a season and they just can kind of maintain it so i think that'll be really interesting to watch i think we're missing one of the biggest chapters of this season uh what was definitely the very beginning we saw vickless falcon rise to the top of the leaderboard uh number one player right there so i think that needs to be mentioned as well yeah, I had a, a grand total of 25 minutes at the number one spot after I uh, beat Hell's Hero. And then Im- Krezzy immediately challenged me to a game because he was number two at the time. Um, and then I think he beat me like seven to one or something. And then it was over. But I definitely made sure to uh, get the snipping tool out on my computer and, and grab that one. And I mean, it's not framed in my house or anything, but, uh, but it should really be. Cool moment, just a. <laughs> Yeah, no, it really should be. But yeah, that was a really fun moment. You know, even though it was earlier in the season, like there was just a lot of a lot of bouncing around at the top. Um, and it was fun to you know grab that top spot for a second. Clutch, do you have any thoughts on um, your your run? You went all the way up to S tier, had a little bit of a downturn towards the end. But uh, do you think new season you'll be back up in S tier? What do you think? So I, it was funny you brought up Poke, and I was thinking, I'm like, I donated so much ELO to him in one run games in the past month. Um, but yeah, no, I, the next question I was going to ask is what were some of the biggest win streaks of the season? Obviously I, what I had 27 straight, um, poke got up around 15, 16 or 18. That's when the money match with Matt happened. Um, was there any other big win streaks that I'm not thinking of? Cactus, Remke and Krazy all had a bunch of, uh, I'm sure they win did. Streaks. I mean, you're going to have that at the very top. Yeah, I know Toasty had a really big one in Stars On too. I think I know Remke did as well, but I think Toasty got up to like sixteen or seventeen games in Stars On, which is like crazy just because the amount of like series or different games you're playing and you're only playing five innings. So, yeah, a lot harder to string them together. But yeah, in terms of what I'm hoping for next season, yeah, I think uh, well, I'm I'm proud to take the uh, Grind King crown of season two. What I I think I'm over 450 games right now and that was not intentional. I just 
queued up and played. Uh, that's just what I wanted to do because I'm still learning the game. Um, but I think next season I'll be a lot more selective with when I'm playing. I think it'll be more about getting prepped for tournaments, uh, putting my name at the top, and uh, justifying top seedings in tournaments. Um, so I, I think that's interesting to see going forward is how many people earn their ELO from just playing a lot of games and having enough success and you know to be at the top and which players just sprint out to a big lead and we know they're top players and they just kind of sit on their laurels and uh keep their spots at the top and then risk them when it comes to tournament time and prove that they belong there or not i think that'll be interesting going forward i could give you the top five grinders right now if you if you want to know who they are yeah go for it all right so number four and number five are tied at 314 games that's remke and ducky don uh poke bunny had 316 so got third uh second place was sam in um so you know came in i think later than everyone else on here yeah uh, but still got 410 games in uh which is crazy amount and then yeah you were first with 462 so you were a clear 52 games uh <laughs> ahead for the title there i promise i have a life people i promise um but i i will say like i said i'll never do it again because i think i think one of the the downsides of grinding that hard on the ranked leaderboard is there's so many hills and valleys like i y'all know sometimes i'd come and be like my gosh like i just got screwed on low trage and i lost someone and i lost there was the reason that i fell so far on the board i like lost a total of like 150 elo in a week because i like was like winning only two out of three games and I wasn't playing exclusively top players because I just I queued up in the queue and whoever spit out I got um and so I mean I deserve to lose every single of those points but like when you played 450 games and you were up towards the top and then just one bad week like soils it all um I I think that's a really tough thing and again at the end of the day it's just internet points it's for fun so I do recognize that too but uh when it's something you put your mind to and put a lot of time into I think um, it makes it a little bit frustrating when those things happen. So, you know, versus if you, like I said, you get out to a big lead, you kind of be more selective, you play the top players, you play in tournaments. And if you lose it because you lose in tournaments, then whatever you're, you're playing people usually closer in skill level to you exclusively. Um, so I think that is super interesting. Yeah. Um, the hey. other thing I want to talk, crazy, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it's crazy to think how many, more games we have this season than we did last season. I know I wasn't here for the entire time last season, but like I want to say most people had less than 100 last season, but this season you almost can't even count how many people have over 100 games. And at this point on the board, we have what I see as over 6,500 just stars off games alone, which is kind of crazy to think about how many games that is just the addition of so many net players. And I think it was just a good time. Like I said, the start of the season was the end of Matty Ice playing a lot. And so there's a lot of people around there. And then that was also the action esports video. So there was a lot of activity then. Um, and then you think you were kind of in the spring part where I'm, we are a community that even for a 2005 game, I think there's a lot of college age kids or kids that are, I don't want to say kids, young adults that are in, uni or college so they can play a lot during the day which i think increases the amount of games that can get played um and then i 
actually think the rate of games is kind of tapered off in the summer because again people are more busy during the summer when they're back home and things like that um so i'll be curious to see how next season goes and then i think i'll be really curious to see if there's a large influx of games in the fall season when people head back to school all right and then the other thing we want to talk about with the end of season two going into the summer 2022 uh ranked season one two one one draft it looked like it was going to be implemented we've had some tournaments with it i think people have kind of changed their minds there's some people on both sides of the fence i don't know the outcome at the time of recording um i know uh cokes posed a question of which way we should go for the next ring season um and so i know we've talked about it on previous editions of the pod but i would love to get now that we've seen some more tournaments and we have some new voices here um kind of what our thoughts are on one two one one should it be implemented should we hold off um should we just say go ahead and do it because it might be a shorter season and if it doesn't work well then we just change it next season um kind of what are our thoughts here i guess i I can go ahead um so personally i would say i i've been probably more against one two one one um but i also haven't played it a ton so i really can't speak from experience what i what i like about it is um, just having just alternating picks, I think, you know, makes the draft a little more interesting. Uh, you can kind of break up some of those chem partnerships. Like, you know, people go Mario Luigi a lot, or they'll go Waluigi Wario. Um, so that's a lot easier to, you know, break those up and that, and that maybe kind of weakens, uh, you know, like for Wario, for example, that can weaken Wario, uh, not letting him pair with Waluigi. But, um, I think, if it is implemented, I just think uh, first pick just has to really pay a little more attention during the draft. I think right now, uh, you know, player one just picks Bowser, then they pick Bro and either Yoshi or Boo most of the time, and then it's like kind of a free KB match most of the time unless somebody is really good with KB. Um, so they'll just have to think a little more clearly. I think chem partnerships are super important in the batting order right now, especially with... Uh, you know some of the modding discoveries that we've learned with like slap hit multiplying and and charge hit multiplying that you know chem can affect uh, slap hits a little bit. Um, so I think you could see you know maybe some chem partnerships uh, that we haven't seen in the past get picked up later. I know something that I've kind of mentioned with the Bowser team is kind of just uh, not quite going full Bowser core, but you know I think having Bro on the Bowser team is still super important. I think you could get Paratroopa, put Paratroopa ninth as a star hitter in the lineup. Um, and I, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but even someone like, I, I think someone like Green Koopa could have some value just due to a good leadoff hitter that has Ken with Bowser and you don't have to burn a star. Like, I think it's going to be super important for the player one team, or uh, first pick team, I guess I should say, to find where to use their stars. And I think you have to be really careful if you're just putting all your star stock into like one star hitters or like a Falcon popper. Um, You know, I think you're going to want to use them maybe more for some captain stars. And then just at the end of the draft, you're going to need to try and find some value uh, with, you know, some slap hitters that you're comfortable with. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with us trying it. If we do end up trying it, I think ultimately like, you know, it'll prove itself worthy or not worthy or maybe we you know unlock bowser and uh get rid of the captain rule as if if 2p is 
is too overwhelming. But um, yeah, that's kind of just my overall thoughts on it. Um, you know, I've, I personally feel like it's a little too unbalanced towards player two, but um, yeah, ultimately, you know, we've we've had some games so far. Um, haven't really. I don't feel like we've heard people say like, "Oh my gosh, I love one two on one." But I do feel like a lot of people probably haven't even noticed that much of a difference. So maybe you know that just the alternating draft picks, uh, you know, just made it a little more intriguing and and thought provoking when when they're picking. Yeah, for me. I, okay. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so for me, I haven't actually even played one two one one, but. With that, uh, I'm I'm kind of against it. I'm not too big at, like, it could go either way. I'm not going to be super upset if it goes either way. I mean, I just prefer to stick with Nolan Draft. Um, for me, uh, I've heard a lot of people say one two one one leads different team compositions and uh, stuff like that. Um, but for me, that just doesn't appeal to me. I, for example, played a nine-game series with Boomerang Bro, and over that all over those nine games, I played only 13 different characters. I didn't feel bored uh, playing the same characters over and over. Each game was definitely unique. And um, so for me, uh, the unique teams doesn't appeal to me uh, as a factor to choose 1-2-1-1 over 1-2-2. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I don't. I just don't see the reason to shake it up. Especially uh, a month ago, it ma- made way less uh, sense to me because... There were no even there were no games even played on it, and there were people were taking polls on whether we need to switch or something, and I uh, felt like it was pretty premature. So over this last month, it's been good to see it being tried out, and I, although I haven't played it, I've heard a lot of feedback, and some people do like it, and some people don't. It won't be a deal breaker for me either way, whichever way it goes. But uh, for me, I'm just sticking with the Nolan draft as my preference. Yeah, I I think someone like me who plays a lot of games i think it's just kind of an interesting mix-up um and i think at the end of the day no matter what we go with mario baseball is still mario baseball it's still gonna be loads of fun all the lovable parts about it are still gonna be there and if if i had to choose i think i would choose one two one one just to kind of mix it up and i think from my perspective the advantages outweigh the disadvantages of it but at the end of the day, I honestly love both drafts. I think I'll have loads of fun either way. And I'm I'm just hoping that everyone can like agree and be happy with the final decision. We've seen other drafts posted with other crazy rules like you Captain uh, Bowser has to be right hand or non Captain Bowser has to be right handed. And moving into stuff like that I would definitely be a lot uh, more vocal against. But uh, I think just switching the order up isn't too big of a shift if someone really likes Nolan draft. It's not going to be too big of an adjustment or be too much of a down, uh, like a detriment for someone to say they're not going to play anymore. Yeah. And I think the other thing is with Rio tags coming out that, you know, hopefully we can, you know, have a tag for one, two, one, one draft. Um, and then, you know, be able to have some hard data on, you know, how, what is the, you know, what exactly is the winning percentage for Bowser in this format? And then, you know, hopefully, you know whether whether we do a rank season or not with one two one one. As long as we have that as a tag, people will probably log some games just playing it if they have fun with it. And um, you know we can get a little more of a concrete answer as to you know if player two or second pick is that much imbalanced. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up a great point, Vic Leslie. I think with the addition of tags and communities and Rio Web coming soon, TM. Um, but 
I think that will be the next part of that instead of theory crafting and kind of taking usually pretty educated guesses on will a change be beneficial or will it be harmful um we'll have some more leeway and some more you know runway space to test some things and get some hard data on it and um ease more easily pull it back because obviously we could take every stat file done of a one two one one right now or uh pick out dates and games and fish it out from real web but that's a lot of work and a lot of sorting and a lot of filtering and that's just a lot to ask of one or two people because that's usually what ends up being one or two dedicated people that pull out that data um and so having the tags to be able to easily sort that data out and see where um it affects things and what changes it actually brings about you know statistically um i think will definitely change how we look at changes in the future um my personal take on one two one one i was a huge proponent of it at the beginning i thought the idea of second pick getting some advantage that i thought they didn't have was really great um because my original thought was like i think i talked about in the pod the biggest pivot point that i saw in the draft right now was nine uh the drop off from madge to 10 was too huge and there was not enough of a justification to move madge up from nine um so player one getting that while also getting the most broken character in the game just seemed unfair to me but when you actually theory craft it and go through the mock drafts changing around the order does so much more within the top five that you know player two getting three of the top five instead of player one without it being captain bowser is very broken um i think that it's interesting and the team counts will be different but I think eventually it'll settle in and it'll be just like Nolan draft. There will be a dominant draft style. I don't even think changing to one pick at a time will change that. Um, Not with what we know right now. Um, And so, yeah, I think really what it'll do, it'll just split up chem pairings, which I think Wario dinghies are hype. I think having more viable slap hitters because they fit into a chem tree is really nice. I think having more chem on the field is nice. Like taking a word from Baltor, get rid of those poopy arms while the best you know solution you have right now in stars off is get a comparing going um so after looking at some early tournaments and looking at some more theory crafting i'm against it but i will wholeheartedly play it if that is the way we go um i'm not going to stop playing mario baseball over the draft and i think it will be more interesting i think it'll be less balanced um but then that just means the people that can draft really well get an advantage um and i think there is credence to having that um like i said i think i think our draft should be aiming to have some semblance of pretty perfect balance um but not at the cost of making it so hard to understand or so dry that there's no reason to you know pay attention to team compositions um so it'll be interesting to see where we go from there any last thoughts on one two one one before we wrap that up uh i I think one of my like biggest thoughts is just it's an interesting turning point in our community because I think the draft is such a core piece of the competitive game that we play in Mario baseball that whatever drafting style or like order we go to, it's going to reflect like what we want the competitive scene to look like in the future. Do we want it to be the most balanced, like strictly competitively? Do we want it to be the most fun? Do we want it to be like the most open for new net players? So I think, and obviously different people have a different view on the future, but I think the decision we make has a big impact of what it looks like 
and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch and see exactly what we end up deciding on. It's so tough serving multiple masters. I think you hit it on the head, Krazy. I think there, like I said, there's three ways you can go. Do you go for perfect balance? Do you go for entertainment? Um, or do you go for most easy to understand? Um, I think you know there's there's enough uh, resourcing and enough games out there that understanding Nolan draft as a new player is pretty simple. Um, it's just a normal snake draft with an additional clause of who your captain can be. Um, but I think it'll be very interesting to see if we ever settle on a draft that takes a lot more knowledge and um, a theoretical barrier to entry um, as a new player to understand to properly play and then that play scene. And maybe the answer to that is, is maybe one day we'll have a different draft style for tournament play and ranked play. There's a lot of ways it could go. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Thank you to Vicklis and Matt for joining us. It was a real pleasure having you. Um, look out for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as always. Make sure to hit that subscribe button, like the podcast, um, and keep an eye for next week's content. But otherwise, leave us some comments. We'll obviously answer those next week again. Um, and otherwise, adios and goodbye.